if you bring your teams and everyone's bought into it, then the, the burden and the pressure is not down to a few individuals. You're all working as an organization, as a team to be able to win that race. And that momentum is what allows you to get there over the line as well. Welcome back to SaaS Half Full, the only show serving B2B SaaS marketers. I'm Lindsay Groper, president at Blast Media, and like every time, I will be your host and bartender today. Today, I am speaking with Prilini Udayan Chiecki, VP of Marketing EMEA at Zendesk. Prilini is joining me from her home office in London. And we're talking with her this morning about how Zendesk and her marketing team spun up their version of a morning show in just three weeks. We're talking full makeup, a full lineup of guests coming to you from Perlini's, well, guest bedroom. So she's going to share with us how the idea came about when they knew they needed a new format and what the results have been since the Zendesk morning show launched. Mix yourself up a drink. And join me as I speak with Prilini from Zendesk. Hi, Prilini. Thanks so much for joining me today on SAS Half Full. Thank you, Lindsay. It's wonderful to be here. And you are joining us from London. Typically, we send our guests a beautiful cocktail kit that's such a delight to open. But with you being overseas, our shipping partner could not get one to you. But despite that, you are staying true to the process, and you are joining me for a drink. I certainly am. Today, I am joining you with White Port. And you're going to say, White Port? That sounds really weird. We had a wine tasting session a couple of weeks ago, and we were taught how to make it into a cocktail. So some White Port, some tonic water, and a splash of lemon actually gives you a really nice cocktail. It's fantastic. I could not be more basic this morning. I am drinking a black cherry white claw. Here it is, just so you all know I'm not lying. It's 10.30 in the morning on a Wednesday, so I <laughs> couldn't quite hit the hard stuff yet. I <laughs> haven't had anything to eat, so figured this was probably the easiest thing for me to do this morning. So cheers, thank you for joining me. So you are currently VP of Marketing of EMEA. Describe your current role. My role has evolved quite a lot. So on the field marketing side, I'm responsible for our traditional areas in terms of each of the country level marketing, plus digital operations, partner, web, outbound, new business coming through and research functions as well as communication. So lots of areas across the business itself. And really it's my job to look at number of factors to help our business grow. So how are we actually bringing in new customers to Zendesk? How are we retaining our existing customers and how are we continuing to expand into our existing customer base as well? You've been in and B2B SaaS or software for most of your career with companies that we've all heard of, Adobe, IBM, but you've been in the marketing function for most of those. When did you know that your calling was marketing and something that you were going to stick with? That's interesting. When I completed high school and went to university, I thought I wanted to work in HR. So my degree, I actually entered a university studying HR. And after my first year, I learned very quickly HR wasn't for me. It was very process orientated. When I was 16, I'd gone for work experience uh, to Zurich Financial Services. And so I contacted them and I said, hey, you know, I'm, um, I'm switching my degree to part-time. I would love to be able to come and work for you. And within three months of joining them, they put me on a fast-track talent scheme where I was able to, for the next 18 months, work in different departments across the organization. And marketing was one of those departments that I spent three months of my career in, in the early days, 
I really loved it. It was on the product marketing side and got to know the organization. And from there, I think I um, just evolved into marketing. And B2B marketing in particular and tech marketing itself is I like the complexities of what it has to offer. So you're taking something quite complex and you're simplifying it for others to understand. So hence tech marketing for me on that B2B side. And marketing has had such a spotlight on it. Uh, I feel like it has the most pressure of of nearly any role. So then you throw 2020 into the mix. Everything shuts down in March. Can you walk us through that first all hands, which I imagine virtual meeting with your marketing team? How did that first conversation go and how did you prepare for that? It's interesting because Zendesk was one of the early adopters to make sure our employees and our customers were safe. So it was the weekend before our annual summit that was taking place in Miami. And I remember I was meant to be taking a flight out at two o'clock and leaving to the airport at 11 o'clock. And my boss's CMO sent me a message at 6am saying, we're cancelling the conference. We've just sent out a note. No need to jump on the flight. And I remember um, that weekend, just feeling at a loss that weekend going, my God, this I mean, for us as a company to make a big decision like that, this is the start of a lot of changes to come through. So that weekend, I was actually watching Apple TV and I was watching um, the morning show on Apple TV and I really loved it. And coming back the next week, it was um, a sense of, well, we've got, we're going to be remote. We're going to be doing a lot of things remote. What are some of the ideas that can come out? And I remember thinking right now, there's going to be a lot of change. It'd be great to have a news type of coverage to go out with ideas to our customers. And this is something that we could do. We were looking at studio options and other areas. And I think the biggest thing that for my team is we were initially canceling all contracts at that point. We were looking to see what plans that we had and what we could shift. But the number one priority was to keep our customers and employees safe. And it was really providing that inspiration and motivation to the team to say, this is a challenge in front of us. But it's also an opportunity. It's an opportunity to be creative, innovative, and think differently and try something like we've never done before as well. You had to take a really hard look, obviously, at what you were currently doing. Everyone ditched in-person events and had to go what I, I call all in on digital. What what point did you look at your current strategies, right, that you had relied on in the past, right? Whether that was from a, a digital ad standpoint or from you know your webinar series. How did you examine those and, and take a look at those and determine that, that this is no longer enough and that we need to come up with some fresh ideas? thing is, when you look at your marketing channels, each of your ch marketing channels are only going to be able to deliver so much. So the greater you put the investment doesn't mean the output is going to be greater that comes through. It's having to look at new channels and a new way to deliver that. So for us, we knew, yes, we could be delivering on more webinars, but really long form content was not really the, the right place. When we looked at data and we saw what had taken place, how many people were actually watching, how engaged they were, was really that the right forum that we wanted to communicate on. Likewise, when we looked at our um, digital ad spend, you're looking at, at the top of the funnel or the bottom of the funnel. We had to find a way to replace those off -channel, uh, offline channels that we had, those offline channels that really delivered for us. And that was high-end direct mail pieces that really spoke to the audience that went out, that it was personalized in a touch. Those um, high-end executive dinners that we might have had or conferences that we went to where we had that one-to-one -one meetings. So what we were trying to do at that point was really replicate both the education and the awareness of what we would have got from those other pieces that we would have done to touch the audience and give that value back to the audience. And then also then think about not being hard sell in our conversion as well. So we had to be thinking long-term of how do we share the partnership and how do we create leads in the funnel but not be overt about it. 
There's one thing I did see a lot of companies doing at that time was they were pushing their message incredibly strongly and that wasn't the time for it as well. A lot of companies were going through a trying time and it wasn't a case of, hey, come and buy with us, but it was really, we're here to help. Like, what are your challenges? This is what we're hearing from others. Here are some best practices. How can we help you with that? So really, we took that approach and then the channel that you use then became easier. It was just understanding what was the type of message that you wanted to put out there and then finding that medium to be able to deliver that message. So talk us through how the idea came about and the format of what is now the Zendesk Morning Show. That's interesting. Um, I think of I was watching different um, shows, whether it was Sophie Ridge, um, which is a show in the UK on a, a Sunday, Sophie Ridge on Sunday or Andrew Marr on a Sunday night. And um, usually that would give me an update on everything that was happening in the week in the UK. And I'd had that nice summary session in an hour of things that took place. And then as I mentioned with the um, the conference not taking place, and I was watching the morning show that week on Apple TV with Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon. And I thought, wouldn't it be great, like right now in the marketplace, what we see is a lot of companies wanting to talk about their content or bring a customer out there to talk about the content that they've got or what they've done with that company. But why don't we bring something similar to what we see in news broadcasts, where you've got the two to three segments, which is an update, and then it drives people to links to be able to find out more. And so that's where the morning show was born itself. And it was coming together with the most amazing team that we have in place. It wasn't a dedicated team. It was my marketing organization. Everyone wore multiple hats, day jobs of doing the normal delivery and the morning show on top of that. And they took different, it was different elements. Like how do we make this work on the web? How do we make that great user experience to have people know that it's there? What are the different platforms that we use? Um, thinking of how do we engage the audience themselves? What type of content do people want to listen to are we going to be able to get our customers to really talk about some of the challenges they've got rather than everything's rosy and everything's um, perfect in there how could we get our executives involved how could we get our employees involved how we how we could actually share what we were doing at Zendesk as well so we brought it to life and it became real and it was bringing that authenticity about a, a personal approach of what you would get in a live interaction you know for myself um, <laughs> blundering up the pronunciation of people's names being able to tell people about my journey of if I was meant to be in India that week and I couldn't go and what I was getting out of the show and other elements to it so really bringing that personable authentic approach approach to it, brought it to life and making it in that news type of coverage with the small two to three minute segments across the 15 to 20 minute episode is what uh, what made it a success. And for us bringing that together because it was so new in the industry and the industry hadn't seen it, it was like in a 3D studio. So one of my rooms, my um, now it's my office, was my bed, uh, spare room, was converted into a studio itself, had camera equipment all across the room happy not to trip over. Great lighting. We built a 3D studio with our creative team and an agency, Miss Media, that we worked with. And it was really like, you know, bringing the, all of that together. The teams worked well into midnight, 1am. Um, across the week, we we're delivering two episodes a week. And then as a result, um, it's been nominated in the UK for two really major awards through B2B uh, marketing, for example, the best digital techniques or technologies that they've seen and a digital impact award for the best use of digital in tech and media during this time. Wow, that's awesome. Congratulations. I, I'm curious, when you initially pitched the idea to the rest of the executive, executive team, uh, what was their initial input? How was it received? I have to say, I'm very, very fortunate. I have the, the best CMO in the world. And um, there's the trust factor there, but he's always willing to experiment as well. So he said, if you know, you can prove this and make it happen, then yes, let's make it happen. My team were all bought in. So 
right then when a lot of people were going into that dip about, well, what does that mean for my job? What does that mean I can't do it? My team were on the high because they went straight from what they were working on to this major project that took up all their time. And so they were behind it thinking about the creative ideas. I think the only one um, skepticism did come from the team when they thought it was unrealistic to be able to launch it within two weeks. I think they looked at me and they thought I was crazy. And um, I've always had that belief, if you uh, reach for the moon, you'll be lucky to land on a star, but you've got to set your standards and your sights high. And that's what we did for the show as well. So we had ambitious goals and timelines to be able to execute this, and we were able to do it. And we look back now and we joke and we say, you know, we can't even imagine, like, how do we actually get it out the door so quickly, how we managed to do it as a team. And we were running and learning on the job as we went. We look back now as we just completed, uh, we're working on series two, and we think back to series one of how we were all over the place with content and pulling things together like last minute, but no one saw that. It was almost like a swan on a lake. There was all this paddling underneath, but no one really saw that. And I'm just so proud of what the team was able to achieve in the delivery and the output of what we see today. Yeah, and that's a fantastic example of not letting perfect get in the way of good because speed really was important in this scenario. It did You didn't have the time to wait for 90 days. Shit, we had no idea what the world was going to hold in 90 days. People needed help now, right? People needed the support now, especially with the morning show format, you're reporting on essentially news of the day. So speed really was a factor. How did you guys turn that around so quickly? What were some of the, I guess, key things that you did in order to make that happen? And what were some of the biggest challenges you had to overcome to get it up and running so quickly? Well, you touched on a really good point. Relevancy and the timing was the most important thing. So we couldn't be recording out weeks uh, ahead. And that's what you often see in webinars and other areas. People aren't necessarily doing it live. They're, they're doing it weeks out of planning. We were actually planning out that week and being able to turn that content over one to two days before it went live itself. So there was a lot of post challenges we had with that because it was such a short delivery timeframe that we had. It was issues, you know, technology challenges we had or being able to get our customers. We were multiple time zones. We're also using closed captions to be able to make it available um, in different languages across Europe as well. So not just appeasing to that English audience, but making sure that we had French speakers on there and German speakers. And that in itself had its challenges because we needed to make sure the localization, the translations took place. And it, it was to that A level that we're used to at Zendesk for the delivery. So it was finding the speakers, finding those that were actually willing to share and be open with the stories. And it was moving away from the traditional where customers had to get a PR approval in the past. Like a lot of the companies we were speaking to, we couldn't wait for that PR approval. They couldn't because it was turning around so quickly. So the companies that had that agility and they weren't afraid to share those experiences. Plus, we wanted to hear from small companies and medium-sized companies and larger ones. We wanted to hear from our partners what was taking place, as well as um, those in the industry. So we didn't limit it. One thing I have to add, what made the show a huge success was our employees. And this is across the board, all Zendesk employees, because the sharing of the audience that we built, um, yes, we did some promotion and we did a digital promotion, but it was actually the social sharing by our CEO, our executives, our employees across the board. That's what actually generated the audience because we had like a week to be able to promote this. The first episode went live with 1,200 people and ended up being over 2,100 people in uh, attendance that viewed that. But that was all through social sharing. And so where the momentum came was getting the energy and the backing of all the employees. And the employees really then had something to look forward to. They then started to submit ideas and topics and customers and everyone was getting behind that. So I'd say the biggest learning that we got uh, from it is if you bring your teams and everyone's bought into it, then the, the burden and the pressure is not down to a few individuals. You're all working 
as an organization, as a team to be able to win that race. And that momentum is what allows you to get there over the line as well. I do have to give you mad props though, on the fact that this wasn't a scenario where you're like, this is a fantastic idea. This was mine. Now guys go execute. You're the face of this thing. So I don't know if that was intentional going in or if that was always how it was going to be structured, but this was an idea that was going to require a lot of work from your end. Number one, looking like you have your shit together every day to actually be on camera, which is in and of itself quite amazing. But this was a lot of work for you and continues to be a lot of work. Was that always the the goal? Were you always going to be the face? And I guess regardless of that question, what reservations did you have about being the person representing the company on the show? What's well, a couple of things. The first is it was never like, as you see most TV shows, you've never got just one host. There was always going to be two hosts, but unfortunately with things at how it panned out, we couldn't go to a studio itself. We had to record from home. It was then easier just to work with one individual. But again, if it hadn't been for the surrounding team to make that happen, like I always think the face is one person, but there's about 60 people behind that, that actually makes it happen itself. So it wasn't easy, but I have to say, um, I'm just so blessed to have the most amazing team around me and the most amazing leaders across Europe, as well as a marketing leadership team, because it's having those people that are there that you can lean on as well that you needed. You know, my boss is an example. He appeared three times in that series as a CMO. He was recording on a Sunday, our um, CEO, a lot of our executives, they were all pitching in. And I think it's that story of leading by example. So not asking the team to do it, but really you're, you're putting in the hours and you're putting in the work and everyone can see that. And as a result of everyone seeing that, everyone's willing to pitch in and do more as well. Well, I'm sure that your team would say the same thing about you. I'm sure you've had a lot of memorable experiences, uh, funny, emotional, all the in-between. Tell me about one of your most memorable experiences since the show began. One of my most memorable one was just the pride of the team when the first episode went live, because it was something everyone thought I was crazy for that timeline. And we didn't think like whether we could actually deliver on it and go live. And just being able to see that output when it came to live, seeing the pride and content from our employees and our customers having our CEO tweet twice about it, which is pretty amazing. He usually doesn't do that. And so those are the stories that I remember. I think just that sense of accomplishment by a team and then giving them that energy to know that they could accomplish anything during that COVID time and have hope that they were changing and doing something different and in their careers are actually driving change that they might not, not normally get that opportunity to do that. Well, this has no doubt taken a ton of work, a ton of time from you and your team. What's been the response to the morning show publicly and how are you measuring the success and impact of it? It's been incredibly well received. I was um, speaking to an interview candidate uh, about three weeks ago, and they mentioned that they've been following the Zendesk Morning Show, the Series 1 and Series 2, and they weren't working at the moment, but they kept up to date with what was happening in the industry by following the show. And they said what they loved about the show, it was it was never about selling. It was great case of best practices and engagement and just learning about what was taking place itself. So for us, just in terms of that content, it's just making sure we have that rich content moving forward. But the business itself, what the, the response has been is we've seen customers contact us on different channels. They're, they're downloading um, more trials. They're actually requesting demos. They're, they're contacting the teams and saying, I saw this on the Zendesk Morning Show. Can I talk to you about it? So it's allowed our teams to 
have that open conversation has allowed them to continue that partnership. It's also allowed our partner community to really feel valued and be able to do that outreach and be proud to be part of Zendesk itself. And then I've mentioned some of the awards, but it's not just the awards and the accolades that, that have come with it, but it's the interest that's been in the marketplace by so many others saying, this is a great example. Can you tell me about it? Like, what are your learnings? This is so authentic. It's something so different to what we've never seen out there. And I think it's fueled other innovative ideas, both at Zendesk and also in the industry. So it makes me excited just to learn that one idea that was brought together to life by a whole team behind it can actually bring change across so many individuals and so many other organizations. Yeah, it's definitely proof that uh, you can achieve great things and do it in a shorter amount of time than anticipated. I mean, if this was an idea that came about right pre-2020, can you imagine what that timeline would have been between ideation and launch? <laughs> Completely. Six months, you'd be thinking about it. There'd be so much more input. Everyone would be looking for perfection of how we did it. Words that you would say, I probably would have had someone writing my script for me and telling me what I could say and couldn't say. But when you're, you know, you're moving and you're learning and executing on the go, it just all of that normal standard practices go out the window. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, it's a good reminder that we don't always have to overcomplicate I'm probably not going to get this quote right, but I believe General Patton said this, and it is one of my favorite quotes, is that a good plan violently executed now is better than a perfect plan executed next week. Like sometimes you just got to get it out, right? And it probably helped your team like understand that, right? That sometimes you just got to go, right? Let's get, let's do this. You do. And it's also, a, it's the learning is the authenticity that goes with it. Like, People, it's like bloopers. People find those bloopers funny. It's um, being part of the process. You feel you can relate. Like when I was up there and I wouldn't say the names accurately or I'd be talking about my personal life, people would reach out to me on LinkedIn and say, oh, Pralini, like, you know, I've been buying Lululemon clothes as well. And Pralini, like, it's great to know about Peloton. Can you tell me about this class that you've got? Oh, I had that bad travel experience. And it's like people get to know you for you. And it's not, you're just this company, um, faceless company behind. These are real people in the organization sharing those stories. And so it brings the humanization that we need that I think was lacking that you would have never seen a year ago, but it's forcing all companies to think about that very differently today. What's something that you learned about yourself throughout this process? I learned um, I'm a very positive person and uh, I generally can push ahead no matter uh, what takes place. I did push ahead with this, but one thing I learned about myself was Having um, the support, I have a wonderful husband and um, it was also very, it was hard on him for me coming to bed at two, three or four o'clock in the morning. So I think I had to learn as well just how to balance things out, being able to maybe push back. Um, I was trying to do too many things at once and one of the things that I learned was my exercise was suffering like as a, a person that um, just has so much of energy there's a lot that goes on and part of a lot goes on for me is i have to be able to have an avenue to release that and to be able to process my thoughts whether that's through running whether that's through exercise whether it's doing activities and when we were doing the morning show, when I was doing my day job, and then I was going straight into then preparing as I was doing my hair and my makeup and writing the script and executive producing the show and then also recording it as well. So there was all of those elements together. And I found I wasn't really giving time for me. And that element is so important because you can't be a strong leader and be there for everyone else if you have nothing left for you. So I think it was around about the seventh or eighth episode. It wasn't perfect. And I remember speaking to the team uh, that 
at the production team, they said, you know, why don't you um, walk away, you know, take a um, break and then come back and record it again. And I remember making a call and it was about seven o'clock, um, eight o'clock that night. And I said, you know what? I've made a decision. I'm not going to re-record it. It's going to go out as it is. And I'm really sorry. I know it's only 70% perfect and it's not there. But right now, the best thing I can do is actually switch off my computer, go for a run, come back, have dinner and watch some brain dead TV for half an hour. That's what I need. And so by giving that little self-care to myself, I think really did make a difference. And as we entered series two, I did think about that, like how do I now structure making sure I do get the daily exercise routines in all the things that allows me to be successful and be a strong leader, I think is super important. Yeah, because once you get rid of that self-care, everything else suffers, right? It's a domino effect. Um, and I, I'm the exact same way. There are times and certainly at the onset of the pandemic with stay-at-home orders, you know, I was working my full-time job. I was home with all three kids because my husband works in essential business, trying to do my job and right, trying to get the the exercise in. I also too had to kind of do like a reset of like, hey, I, I've got to restructure and figure out how to get this part of my life back because it really is what I need to to function at my highest level. So I totally get you on that. Complete. And I think it's like, because we're so, you know, you and I sound very much like we're givers. We want to be able to help everyone else. We want to help them no matter what they have. And every three, five minutes we have, we're giving it to someone else. But you have to have that for yourself as well, because if you have that for yourself, then you will be able to have more to give them. It's a bit like, you know, on the airplane, they always say, put your mask on first before you put everyone else's mask on. We're probably trying to put everyone else's mask on and not doing the right thing for ourselves. So by doing that, I think it makes it makes us stronger leaders in the process. So that, that's something I definitely learned. And I've also learned to just um, find a way to make it work so it's not so hard on your family life as well because it, it, it is it takes an impact on everyone else. I think my husband was so glad when the series ended he didn't have to hear me say, good morning and welcome to the Zendesk Morning Show. He would laugh about that. Right, at 2 in the morning. He's like, no, not good morning. This is middle of the night, people. <laughs> Uh, well, Perlini, this has been awesome. Thank you so much. Is there anything else that you'd like to tackle that we didn't cover? One thing, there was this quote from Cinderella, and I saw it in one of the Cinderella movies, but it just really resonated with me as well. And it's that quote of have courage and be kind. For where there is kindness, there is goodness, and where there is goodness, there is magic. And I truly, truly believe that. And I think you have to have courage to take risks. You've got to have that ability to be kind to all those around you and have that empathy and understanding of what they're going through and how to actually give them the positive energy and something to look forward to. Because if you've got that kindness and you're actually giving them the positivity, then there's a lot of good that can come out of it. And this is where the magic happens. And for us, that's where the Zendesk magic happened with the Zendesk Morning Show. I love that. Thank you. And as we end every episode, do you have a signature or favorite toast to send us out today? Favorite toast, I would say, is um, always give gratitude for um, your family and your teammates that you have and the life that we have. There's those that are so much less fortunate than us today. And I just am so grateful for everything I have on a daily basis. And we should continue to always appreciate what we have. All right. To gratitude. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks again to Perlini for joining me on Sass Half Full. Wow, what a just delightful, positive person. Really loved that conversation. Perlini was unable to enjoy a cocktail from us just based on her being overseas, but that does not mean that you can't enjoy one yourself. If you want to go to cocktailcourier.com, you can use code SHF15 at checkout and get yourself 15% off of a cocktail kit order. It makes a fantastic family gift, team gift. 
even for your customers. They absolutely love it. Who doesn't like booze being delivered to their door? Until next time, guys, thanks so much for listening. Bottoms up.